Hello and welcome to In The Pod, a place where we discuss mindset, creativity, growth, and positivity. Thank you for listening. Let's dive in. Mike, my bro, welcome to the cast. How you doing, man? Good, DJ. Thanks for having me, man. A little a little nervous, first podcast, but uh, that's what we're here to talk about, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes we just have to, you know, jump in and see how it see how it rolls, man. Um, you know, we've been friends for a couple of years and you know, just just kind of seeing your journey and seeing where you are now. You're in Atlanta. When we met, you're in Arizona and um, you know, you're really really dive in at least for me I, I didn't know too much about like the work you were doing and you really were just kind of sharing a lot of you know there's a lot of the work that you're doing in the diamond and gym gym industry so yeah we'd love to just hear more about that and kind of how you know how you got into it and where you are now and yeah absolutely yeah I'm, I, I pretty much tell everybody I'm an open book uh with business um you know especially you know how it is owning your own business you just kind of got to bounce around and play every hat in the mix. So um, when I get the opportunity to, to chat with friends like yourself or, you know, any of the guys back in Arizona or L.A., it's just always great to be around like-minded people because we can sit here and bounce ideas off each other and, and just get this chance to open up a little bit more in a different dialogue than you do on a daily basis, you know. Um, so when things like this um, present itself, um, you know, it was uh, it was a little scary for me to take on, but I think it's exciting all at the same point. Absolutely, absolutely, and um, yes, yeah, it's, it's you know just from just from learning more about just your industry. Um, I know you're heavy into heavy into doing a lot of lot of work with with brides and um, right, you know, making those a lot, a lot of bridal industry extremely yeah extremely special. And just tell you know just tell us more about just uh, the gemology world and. I'm saying that right, gemology. Let me make sure. Yeah, I'm, it's I'm gemology. Right. Yep. So I'm yeah. a graduate gemologist. I went to GIA, which is, I guess you could say, the the authority leader as far as diamonds go. Um, when it comes to uh, high end colored stones, there are a few other labs that I would actually put on a higher pedestal. Right. Um, just because that rarity comes into play and they do a things a little bit differently. Um, but I started my career out there 2012, went through a crazy rigorous on-campus uh, course there in Carlsbad, California. Okay. Basically GIA, caught the bug even more. Correct. GIA, just to confirm, what does that stand for? Uh, Gemological Institute of America. Okay. And once I got out of school, coming from Wisconsin, I was like, uh, yeah, there's no way I'm going back home. I'm going to figure it all out. <laughs> so I spent the next two years really um, kind of gauging where exactly I wanted to be. I had already owned my own business before that. Um, and then getting into this whole new industry was just so very different um, and so many opportunities and you know, no pun intended, but so many facets to the business, right? And so I was like, okay, where where do I go from here? So I went and I managed a few stores um, in Southern California and Northern California. And then while I was doing that, I just kind of decided to branch off and do my own vibe um, and go full time at it and, you know, take that jump. 
that's pretty scary, you know, not having any backup and just saying, hey, I'm first generation, which is difficult in itself. Um, you know, let's let's figure this out. Um, yeah. And it basically came down to I was already building pieces for people back in Wisconsin and a couple of friends in Colorado at that time. And I was like, well, if I already have people coming to me from different states and I'm working with them, why can't I take this to a different level? So in 2016, I pretty much took, took it to the next step and, you know, basically really laid out um, my website, my initial website and said, here I am and coined myself as a concierge jeweler. And that's what, almost six years ago now. Um, and so I started traveling all over the U.S. and dealing with customers firsthand, um, something that you don't see a lot if, if at all in, in most places. So there are a few select um, individuals in our industry that do a similar thing, which is great. And we're all good friends in different territories. So right. that's fun to have that nice little camaraderie involved as well. Yeah. But let's say you wanted to make a piece, uh, you know, I'd fly out um, and see you. We discuss everything, do a nice consultation, get everything in order. Once I get back to my residence, we sit and hash out numbers um, and more details of things that I find. Mm. I produce the piece and either send it to you with insured shipping or I hand deliver it to you as well. And there are, you know, certain circumstances where the client doesn't want to see anybody in person and they just want to do things almost like an internet-based shopping, sure. and they were referred to me, let's just say, and they go, okay, well, I want this shopping experience to be a little bit different, don't want to see anybody in person, but I still want to do something custom. I've done things through text messages with never hearing someone's voice. I've done things through emails or Facebook Messenger, never seeing or hearing the person. It's pretty crazy to think of, but, wow. you know, knock on this little marble table here that's how well and how well received and how much the brand has grown over the course of time and you know i'm looking to expand it even further um you know coming up in the very near future yeah i love that i love that it's um you know it's a very that journey of you know i was thinking what you just said about finding after you graduate and finish from GIA you're like yo what do I want to place myself mm -hmm. in this industry you know because there's so many different dire directions and ways you can go and it's just not a lot of the times it's just like let me pick this and let me let me let me let me go forward with it or let me right. identify let me identify a problem which uh, you know it sounded like you did and and tackle that first and foremost you know, what's that? And even with you talking to to customers, not only in person, which I think is is something that we're missing way more than I think in any time of like just that in person interaction, that in person right. um, communication is, is so important, especially dealing with potential clients. But what about the like creative process? You've talked to me a little bit about just like the process of how diamonds are cut or how specific cuts may make it look certain ways, like. I'm really right. intrigued by that, like the creativity behind it. You know me, I'm, I'm all about the creativity. And so, absolutely. What, you know, how does that look? I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure it differs from client to client, but how does that look? It definitely like differs. So 
after the first year or two of trying to figure things out um, with how I was working with clients, I, I kind of developed a, a questionnaire. And so as soon as somebody contacts me, sure, I can have a phone consultation, but I automatically resend you this email and have you fill out this questionnaire form because I, it's always nice to have everything in one place. But right. as a part of that, I, in the design process, I say, help me help you, <laughs> right? Right, right? Give me some photos. Tell me a little bit more about your backstory, how you guys met, what commonalities you guys have together, you know? Um, all of these things play a big role in in both shape of, of stone, I mean, or even type of stone. We could have somebody that really loves emeralds, but they want to wear their ring every day. Right. A normal jewelry store would just sell you an emerald ring and it, poof, you're on your way. That's a horrible idea. <laughs> emeralds are soft, not fit for everyday wear. So... What happens is then you come back to me and go, well, why did you sell me this? My ring looks like junk now. So yeah. that's all a part. E even those small little details that people don't think about, that's all part of the creative process saying, hey, well, have you thought about this? You know, Have you thought about the day-to-day -day aspects of things or how often are you going to wear this? Um, and uh, it's just uh, everything – Everything goes into it, to be honest. Yeah. And then, you know, design-wise, I try and make everything just a slight bit different than what you would find at a store, even if they want something fairly basic. Um, because that really tells a story as far as, let's say, you, you go to a wedding and a lady sits down and there's six other girls at the table. Everyone has a ring on. What if everybody has the same ring? And what if you don't, right? That's, right. that's the goal. Like, even if it's right. like a tiny bit different, like a hidden design element, that's that one little thing that can stand out. And that comes from that questionnaire where I really get the backstory of things. Yeah. Because to me, you're not just another number. You're not just another person walking through the door. The goal is to have you as a lifelong customer. In order to achieve that, I need to produce results. Right. You know, and with those results, refer more referrals come. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But and it's like it's, getting, what was that? Yeah, and it's like I mean, it's like it's not like you're just going to this jewelry store. You're going to this diamond store. You're just like right. I want this piece because of how it looks. It's like you're making pieces specifically customized and tailored to this exactly. person's experience and to exactly. how, their, how their lifestyle will be. You mentioned, you know, having a certain size that wouldn't be probably, you know, good to just be wearing maybe if, when you're working For out, sure. or maybe when you're doing certain things with your kids or whatever the case may be. So, right. um, didn't mean to cut you off, but I just was taking that from what you're saying. No, that's that's good. And and I think that that all comes, you know, full circle into, I guess, more so what I wanted to keep keep on my own path was just like in every industry. And I don't mean to say this in a, in a derogatory manner, but there's distrust and miscommunication and misleading things said in all retail aspects, right? right? And 
And I wanted to be that person that says it straightforward to you. Like, yeah, that's good. I could make an, a great sale and a, and a nice purchase off you. But if, again, if you're not happy, you're not going to recommend me to another person, much less come back yourself. So the more transparent I am, the, the better I am at listening and understanding and doing the due diligence work, um, the better off it is, honestly. Sure, sure. It's, um, I actually, I, before we jumped on, I, I asked a friend, I was like, you know, what would be something that you'd be interested in knowing about dynamics? <laughs> and she was like, um, I want to know the differences between a diamond and cubic zirconium. And I think I sent you that before we jumped on, but like, is right. Like, yep. Could you explain that? Just, just so, so a CZ is technically a lab created synthetic stone. It's not a synthetic diamond. It's a synthetic stone or a simulant as we call it at GIA, because you're simulizing or simulating a diamond. Um, it's a clear stone, can be in multiple colors. You can get it literally every color of the rainbow. Um, it's a lower hardness, though. So diamond on the scale of 1 to 10, right? Mm-hmm. You have salt even on this, on the, right? <laughs> you know, I, things you don't think about, but there's a hardness level to it. I, you know, even glass. So there's, there's hardness levels to all of these. And it's called the MOHS scale, M-O-H-S. And... Even things like a sapphire. A sapphire is a hardness of nine. And a diamond is, a, is the ultimate hardness of 10. Okay. But the difference between sapphire and diamond between nine and 10 isn't like just a regular step. Mm. It's like up here. Wow. That hardness difference is multiplied uh, by a lot. I can't, I, you know, I don't want to say an exaggerative number, but it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. Um, so that difference is, is the durability aspect, um, the wear and tear. And that's why you've come to see diamonds being that staple trademark for bridal, um, because you can wear it every day and it can take abuse. Mm-hmm. It, and, and that's just a simple fact. CZ, cost effective. It's going to look blurry real quick. It's going to look blurry. It's, it's going to gonna scratch up own, real fast. It's not going to hold its own for as long. Exactly. Yeah, I, I mean, and, they, and I guess to, to tap on, I'll tap on another point um, that, that you spoke of uh, for this. And that comes into, let's say, other lab-created stones. Um, there's another stone called moissanite, which um, is also man, man created. Um, and that's a hardness of nine and a half. So, okay, now we're up here on the hardness level, but it's produced in a lab, so the value is not there. Mm-hmm. That's another thing to take into consideration. Sure. And now what's been on the forefront, I guess, I would say probably for the past five years, really making a, a mark on the industry is synthetic diamonds. Um, and, and I know you wanted to talk about this a little bit, so I used that as a nice little segue. Um, and, and I always tell people straight up my, my personal thoughts on synthetic. Um, and that's just because as a gemologist, I write all of my own appraisals. 
So if you're buying a ring from me and you're getting insured, you have my paperwork with my signature standing behind it. I can't blatantly lie, and I try and price my uh, values out about two years. So then you come back to me in two years as inflation, you know, economy rolls around. And the insurance company wants to know, what is this valued at? Diamonds have done this since the beginning. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, whether that's perceived value or not, still a roller coaster on the up. Okay? Absolutely. Lab created diamonds were made to be synthetic diamonds. They hold a purpose, same exact chemical makeup, literally same exact chemical makeup, but the price started here, and now it has only been doing this. Wow. Wow. So what I, what I think will happen, this is just me speaking, they do hold a place. Um, and I would actually rather see synthetic diamonds, um, over moissanite or over CZ. Sure. You're, you're probably not going to get the cost down as much because of the process it takes, but you're going to see them bottom out eventually, just like synthetic sapphires did. You have this difference in tier difference is. 10 to a hundred fold. Yeah. Um, exactly. So, you know, again, all of that comes into value and within that value comes the rarity. What is the source of the stone? Um, you know, what country was it mined in? How, how rare is that size of a stone or that color? Because most people don't realize it, but diamonds come in every single color of the rainbow naturally right right so again that's that driving force of value and when it comes to that insurance that needs to follow because no one's going to insure something that's depreciating at you know like hey i got this fifty thousand dollar car that's going to be worth thirty dollars tomorrow please insure me in case anything happens it's like yeah right exactly (laughs) that doesn't add up so that's That's my, I mean, I guess my short two cents on, on the lab uh, grown industry, there is a place, it holds a place, um, especially for consumers to spend a little bit less money um, and get something that they may have always dreamed of, something a a bit more achievable. Um, But I guess to switch a tiny segue into that again. <laughs> yeah, because I was, is, and I was, I was gonna ask you too because, um, for me, like if if I was to see two diamonds, one being synthetic, one being real diamond, I honestly wouldn't know the difference. And you're obviously you're a professional, and so you would know. And so, like, right? You know, how do and you they, know? And they trick is? even people like me to be yeah. to be completely honest. And that's the hard part behind it. You know, you have, I guess, that goes back to the the honesty and you know illusions right. that um, people don't tell you about. And that's why um, they started gaining a bit more popularity because you can't tell. 
to the naked eye. Mm -hmm. There are certain tests you can do with them um, under microscope, fluorescence. Um, right. there, there, there are definitely ways you can tell them apart. Uh, but yeah, to the naked eye. To the naked eye. It's almost, it, it reminds me a lot of, um, you know, when I grew up, I used to go to the flea market. And sure. the flea market at the time, Jabos were like huge. The, oh, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the Fubu, the, you know, Man, the Arm, the, all the, those like, you know, classic brands. But Ivisu. Ivisu, yeah, yeah. All of those, all of those brands. Yeah. <laughs> that was what we Man. were wearing back, back, back then in the, like the 90s, early 2000s. Yeah. And yeah, you go to the flea market and it's like you got, you got a vendor set up selling all of these these fake knockoff echo jeans right. and echo shirts. And it's like, you, they look real, you know, they look right. like the same thing and somebody made it. <laughs> right. But you know, it's not, it's not from the actual retailer. And it's, I imagine it's the same kind of world is, you know, you yeah, know. It, it, it definitely is. And, and uh, unfortunately it comes in more, more often than one would think even <clears throat> on a colored stone market or, or rough diamond market, right? There are people overseas um, or it hasn't really happened too much with Canadian diamonds yet, but overseas you'll have small artisanal miners coming up and trying to sell people rough. Well, they're, take, they're going through the process of making these stones that aren't real diamonds look like real diamonds. Right. Like in their natural form. So it's it's wild, the deception that can happen. Mm -hmm. But that's why there's a lot of rules in place. Um, you know, right. a big a big topic people speak about is blood diamonds. Right. <clears throat> very big topic. Right. Very big uh, topic. You know, unfortunately, a, a very damning topic for, for the industry for, for quite some time. Um, the good news is in 2003, we created uh, a process called the Kimberly process because um, mm -hmm. of, because of where diamonds were once originally found sure. back in the 1800s. And this process basically states that any, it traces all these stones coming into the diamond headquarters uh, over in Antwerp and says, okay, great. These are not related to conflict. And that's huge because now, you know, diamond traders from you know, Belgium or anywhere in Asia or Russia um, or a lot, of, a lot of South Africa as well, anybody that's hosting an event, everything comes with paperwork. All the diamond dealers that I work with throughout the States even, now, everybody can give you paperwork and guarantee, like, this is where they're from. Um, and that's, that's also a big thing. Because yeah. with my, I would say with, not necessarily millennials, um, but with the younger generation, um, I think that involvement for better, bettering the world has come back again, sure. full circle, and everybody... It was like <clears throat> blood diamonds again. And that's why everybody swore towards their lab-grown diamonds. Right. Um, but there are, if, if you sit and have a conversation 
you know, I can tell you that there is a, a big difference. We don't, we don't have to worry about it in, you know, government way. There is a, a big difference about what happened in the past and what happens now with these procedures in place. Sure, um, sure. And there's other options too, different, different types of stones. You want to work with a colored gemstone, um, which is becoming increasingly popular again um, for, for engagement rings. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a, that's a huge point you make about just where, where it's being sourced, like where are these diamonds being sourced, what's right. the story behind that sourcing, mm -hmm. and like you said, back started back in like the 1800s, like when blood diamonds yeah. started to become a really, you know. Yep, in, in the early, early mid-1900s, the, the late yeah. 1900s is really in early 2000s. Mm -hmm. That sounds like so, so far away. Right. Uh, I'm like, is that it a real number? Think, it made me think. Uh, it made me think. <laughs> Dang. Right. Uh, that, is, that is a real number. It made me think. It's like, wow, I was born in the late 1900s. <laughs> that sounds old. <laughs> but but that's really when that the a lot of that war was going on over there. And, and a lot of bad things happened. But... Um, you know, again, if, if we hold each other as, as both consumers, like on my side, as a consumer and other vendors on my side, everybody just has to hold each other accountable. You know, if something's wrong, call it out. Um, and we have conferences all the time about this on, on how to be better as vendors, as wholesalers, as retailers, um, just to make sure that we are giving to you the best product that we can. Absolutely. The most ethically sourced product that we right. can. That quality control is, is so is so valuable. Have you right. seen have you seen uncut gems? I have. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> around me was was tweaking out. Everybody had so much anxiety and I was like, Yes. <laughs> but it's different because I mean, besides the crazy aspects and drugs of it, you know, like that's the world that I live. Right. You know, um, being in L.A. for the majority of my my career here, um, that's kind of the exact same thing. But New York style, like mm -hmm. I'm walking in dealing with these same vendors and that's it's just crazy on a day to day basis. Yeah. I mean, it was it was obviously it was a bit extreme for movie purposes, right. for entertainment <laughs> purposes. It, right. It, it was really extreme. But I'm sure you identify with the, with a lot of what they what they talked about in the movie. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. As far as like, just kind of coming back to the sourcing of it and, yeah. like, you know, even just that process of like, how to get a real diamond, like, what does that even look like? Like, um, the mining of it or how it's you know, manufactured? So, like, how does that look? It, it happens in a, in a couple of different ways, right? So you do have certain areas in the world where people are literally sitting in a mountainside or on a flatland. And they're using shovels. And because that's more of an artisanal or it could be on their, their land or something, right? And they're going through and they're doing this all by hand. And then you get to, you've, you've driven past a rock quarry before, I'm sure. Yeah. You know, where you have these big machines set up and, you know, they're, they're literally cutting out parts of the earth, sucking that all back in. And so there's like a specific gravity machine that happens. So the density difference between the earth matter and then diamond 
So, and then there's a stickiness aspect of diamonds are attracted to grease. A lot of other stuff is not. So everything goes through different belt lines and then the diamonds sort themselves out. Mm -hmm. And so not every, I mean, most people are like, oh, you find the stone like that. No, the diamond looks for the most part, most diamonds look like a piece of rock salt <laughs> and you would never, you know, you'd never think about anything. Um, but you the beauty like comes from forming it, it exactly. Creating it into, into what The cutting's is. the best part, man. You, yeah. Just to see something come to life is just amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of math involved, but <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> it's, it's, it's definitely real cool. That's really cool. That's really cool. Um, so for you, you know, you, you jumped into it, you said 2016, you jumped into it. What was, what was that? Full, that yeah. Full, full time. My own. Yeah. I started in 2010. Okay. 2010. And so mm -hmm. that even that initial start, you jumping into it, like what was the inspiration behind it? Was there, you know, gemologists that you, you know, were inspired no, by? No, it was, it was really just by? art. There was a, there was a small mom and pop jewelry store back home and, I got introduced to them and it was all custom work. And when I just looked around, I was like, I've been to a couple of jewelry stores in my life before, but I've never witnessed any pieces like this. Right. And it was almost instantaneous. Like that moment I was like, all right, here we go. I'm just diving in. I'm like, yeah. there, there it was because I got to take my love for art and apply it to making crazy pieces of jewelry at that point. And then, you know, as life throws its lessons at you, I realized, wow, I can't just build museum type pieces. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. So, yeah, gotta build some so for, you know, I refocused a little people. bit and that's when I started, you know, more of the, Hey, I'll let me, let me focus on this bridal aspect and, you know, then slowly work my way into adding some colored stones into bridal and, you know, trying to, to make things a little bit different. And I still do get to make a lot of, of fashion pieces. Um, and I think in the future, um, not too distant future, I think there's going to be a little bit more of myself that spends time doing particular one-off pieces like that that can't be replicated again right. um, just because i think as an artist um, you need to just create because if you sit there too long and you're not creating even when you're drawing whatever you're just tossing good ideas out the door and you might not never get those ideas back right. Right. so i, I kind of made it a, a little promise to myself that i'm going to create a small little line Mm -hmm. and just you know get a little bit funky with it and see yeah. see how well received it, it it can be oh that's awesome you have a name you have a name for it already Mike? uh not 100 percent yet I, i've been looking at a couple of, of brand um staples on it um and, and i may have secured a website link uh <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> yeah, but yeah. it's still under wraps for now, just because there's a there's there's a lot going on on my side um, that is still a little too early to talk about. Um, sure. So I'm gonna keep that under wraps for round two for you. Yeah, <laughs> hey, we can't get all we can't get all the juice on on the first round, you know, right? Um, but but that'll be um, 
to, to make that long story short is I'm looking at open a retail space. Um, and within that whole process comes more inventory on my side because I'm trying to make this where, you know, most stores you walk into, they carry different brands, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't want any of that. I just want to carry my own goods. I want you to have this, this experience where you're not worrying about somebody else's brand. Right. You're coming to me for a reason. Let's make that reason shine. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I'm sure through your experience, man, you've, you've heard so many just stories and you mentioned brides. And so that's a, I think that's mm-hmm. another segue too to kind of jump into is, is um, you know, just the demanding aspects that you know brides have when it comes to everything <laughs> and when it comes to a wedding obviously the ring is extremely yeah. important the dress the, the actual experience you know now how is it how has it been you know just managing you know client emotions and their experience throughout you know that you know these special moments that they have it's it's great to be honest um i learned very early on thankfully don't mess with a deadline. Um, and, and basically since that first time that I cut it very close on my own, I now have a, a normal rule in place. It's again, in my questionnaire, what's my timeline? When do you need this piece by? And don't just tell me, you know, the date you're doing something. Like, when do you want it by? Like, when, when do you assume? And then I can play into, okay, is that reality? How fast can I make this piece with not losing any quality? Um, no cutting corners. But I like to try and, like, let's say you're, let's say you'd be getting engaged in three months. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I'm going to have that ring in your hands within the next two months because I don't want you to get down to the last couple of weeks and be like, oh, my God, I don't know what to do. I don't have this thing in my hands. And who knows? You could have this spur of the moment where you're like, I'm going to ask it today. Right. Forget it. Right. <laughs> and the same thing happens on the ladies' side. You know, Once they get their rings and, and everybody's super excited and happy and it's time to make wedding bands, I feel that's where more of the, the bride's frustration comes in. And um, again, I try and set that at ease. Like you have a million other things that you need to be worrying about for your venue. Let's take care of this. So you have the pieces at least a month or two in advance. So you're not worrying at the last second. Let's say you need a size change. Well, if I give this to you the day before and it doesn't fit, that's not a good look. So, again, it's not only safeguarding myself, but it's it's making sure that you have this beautiful piece to wear on your special day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But other than that, oh, thankfully, I haven't ran into anything crazy. That's a that's a a blessing. (laughs) Right, you're on the right Right. side. Uh, Right, please let's not. (laughs) Yeah, let's please avoid. Let's let's avoid all of those conflicts because right. No, I understand. It's um. Yeah, I imagine, you know, I imagine just that's that's so important. You have a timeline, you have like a structured idea of like, because you understand the big picture. You're not just like focused. You are focused on obviously getting this gym to them, but you also understand that they've got a million other things they need to do to get ready for this special moment. So 
setting them at ease, getting them comfortable, making them know that exactly you know, this isn't this, this part of the process you will not have to worry about. Right. Uh, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure it helps them out a lot. Um, yeah, you know, what do you, as far as just like the future of, of diamonds and just the future of, I'm not sure if there's some type of integration of technology that could happen or like, what do you kind of see uh, things moving? What direction? Are we thinking diamonds themselves or gemstones or even the, just, even, just the industry as a whole? Just the industry as a whole or even just the demand for it do you, do you, do you foresee? So the demand, I, I honestly, and this is wholeheartedly, think that we're going to slowly get back into people wanting tangible possessions. Um, because, you know, think about your great grandparents, uh, you know, or your parents, you know, they had these, let's say a pocket watch or a wristwatch or a ring and it had crazy stories behind it. Right. And those are the things that, Although I'm, I'm a part of it, right? I love traveling. And I love experience, but I also want things to pass down to my children, right? You know, and and I think that's the thing where the past five, ten years, the industry's seen this this flux of of consumers that don't want to buy jewelry because they'd rather go on a trip or spend their money on other vacations and you know, other things. And it's like, while I understand that, it'd also be cool to pass something along. I'm not saying you got to go out and spend a million dollars, right? You know, not, not everybody has that crazy budget, but something, you know, something like, you know, a simple ring with an engraving inside it, right? Uh, an engraving can mean the world. And it timestamps something, you know, if, if you saw something from your, you know, five generations back with a, an engraving in it with a date, like, how cool is that, right? Yeah, <laughs> and it's absolutely. the simplest little thing. It could be a gold band with an engraving, but it tells this story and it can open up a dialogue between you and your family talking about, well, well how was this person? You know, maybe some, you know, there's stories that may, might be untold about certain things just unlocks so much absolutely. Uh, and you know just the sentiment behind it as well uh, which is why i think contrary to most people <laughs> um everybody says brick and mortar is dead and i really really disagree with that um big box retail is dead to me um i think that brick and mortar retail is here and here to stay. You just have to do it properly sure. um, and provide these consumers that love travel and experience and experience. And if, and if you can do that, you're gaining that clientele back. You're saying, Hey, listen, this is your friend group right here. And I know that if I nail you down, with an absolute amazing experience, you're gonna tell each one of your friends, and it's gonna start a cyclical effect. <laughs> it's, <laughs> exactly. it's true, man. It's true. But that's that's how I think of of uh, really the future. I think we're gonna come back to all these important pieces 
um, or, or one-off types of pieces and art jewelry coming back again. You know, if you go to, go to the museum and you go to the jewelry section, you see these incredible gems, you see these incredible, you know, tiaras or brooches and, um, you know, famous pendants and rings. I haven't seen a lot of that happen lately, to be honest. You know, everything's from the past. Everything, yeah, yeah. We should get back to that because that, again, history. History has to play somewhere. It's fun because otherwise, you know, everybody relies on just photos, but tangible objects is really, I I think, where the most stories are going to come from. And uh, I'd like to be a part of that in general. Absolutely. I think you're, you're spot on when it comes to being able to tangib- to tell a story from a tangible object and to, which could ultimately connect the family to understand the right. family's past more, to understand a certain experience more. And, you know, that's something that I think, I think we're missing a lot when it comes to actually connecting right. um, to our friends and family is like, you know, having this ring and having a, you know, incredible story about like what this ring meant to mm-hmm. me and my partner or me and my family, or like you said, right. having certain engravings or things like that. Um, instead of just, you know, pulling out our iPhone and showing a photo. For sure. We're, we're, giving <laughs> more, we're giving more, yeah, we're giving more power to that actual phone right. than we are to like us sharing an experience that right. we can use with, the, you know, a tangible item. So I agree. I agree. I definitely see us coming back to the more traditional aspects because like everything everything goes up and down um and i you know i agree with that so what would you know what's something you would leave you know leave leave us with before we jump off of here mike Ooh, it's gotta be good uh, it's gotta be good. Man, that's a good one. <laughs> uh come see me no it's- <laughs> um that's a that's a great that's a great question. Dang, that stumped that stumped me more than anything. <laughs> um, or where can we you know where can we find you? You know how can you know we, without without being cheesy, work? I'll say it like yeah. this. Um, if you're in the market for anything, do your research first. Um, go to somebody who's trusted and well received, um, and look at that small guy more than the big box brand because nine times out of ten you're going to have a way better experience. Um, And if you happen to find yourself coming to me, uh, I can guarantee that experience. (laughs) Um, You can find me online at uh, michaelwhalendesign.com. On social media, Michael Whalen Design, Twitter, Whalen Design. I haven't been on social media in forever. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. Let me me rebound this real quick. When, When the... When this whole COVID craziness came down, um, I left Scottsdale, right? And and went to Georgia originally, went to Georgia. And during this time, I was like, man, there's all this craziness going on. And I'm sitting here worrying about what picture I need to post. And so I took a step back from a, a business aspect and said, Okay, well, what happens if social media goes away? 
which we saw last week <laughs> when yeah, no yeah. one had social media for a day, how much people panic and everybody yeah. possibly lost their content. And so almost in a premonition in my head, um, I was like, man, what if all this stuff just goes away? I need to make sure that, you know, I can, the internet's not going away. Let me make sure that I have my business intact in place. Um, and I'm, still creating my pieces the exact same way without relying on social media. Mm -hmm. I'll get a lot of flack for that one from all of my peers um, who literally tell me every day, you need to post, you need to post, you should be posting. I'm like, yes, I probably should be, but I'm also more concerned about the other inner workings of the business or what I'm trying to do with my real estate or all these other meetings. A really cool opportunity to do a podcast. I'd rather do this all day long than post a picture of something. All right. All right. I do need to get back to updating the website regularly, but it's just one of those things, man. <laughs> it's it, it has to, it, it all comes full circle, you know. Right. Like you, you tapped on, you know, we're we're we need to get a, a little bit more away from these and back to the conversational aspect. But you can always reach out to me. Um, I'm sure you'll probably post my, my information in a link at the bottom. But um, my, my cell phone, my private numbers on there, on my website. I get the emails every two seconds. Uh, <laughs> I'm always checking something. Um, even if you just have a question on anything, you don't have to purchase anything from me. If you want to talk about something, uh, feel free to reach out. I love to chat about anything and everything in the business. So sure, um, sure. I'd be happy to help out anyone. Well, Mike, in my, in my perspective, um, you're obviously a great gemologist. Um, you know, you're a great friend. I'm, I'm glad that you're able to jump on. But most importantly, man, you're a great human. You understand, you know, how to treat people, how to, how to affect change, and how to just go after your dreams, man. It's really cool to see and watch and, and just you. experience from this perspective. So, um, you know, I'm always rooting for you, man. And, Appreciate um, that. I'm happy you jumped on the, the pod and we got, yes, the, got to chime in and have some fun. Until next time, man, we're going to jump on again for sure. We're just getting started. <laughs> <laughs> so I tell everybody every yeah. day, <laughs> just yeah. getting started. Absolutely, absolutely, Mike. So. Yeah, thanks for jumping on. This is In The Pod. Y'all take care. Thanks, man. All right. Peace. Thank you for listening to today's episode. You can expect to hear a new episode every Tuesday. To show support, leave a review and share this podcast with friends. Thanks and see you next time. Hello, and welcome to In The Pod, a place where we discuss mindset, creativity, growth, and positivity. Thank you for listening. Let's dive in. Hello, and welcome to In The Pod, a place where we discuss mindset, creativity, growth, and positivity. Thank you for listening. Let's dive in.